Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Here we go. Christus Wirklichkeit. Christus Wirklichkeit. It's a German word coined by Dietrich Bonhoeffer, essentially meaning a living in the one realm of the Christ reality. Costly grace, costly discipleship, being held captive to Christ, Christ-centered living. So born on February 4th, 1906, Bonhoeffer was surrounded by a family with strong Christian values, growing up in a town called Berslau, Germany, which is now Warclaw, Poland. Uh, at the time of uh, being raised, this was a region of Germany, which has now been separated and now part of Poland. Um, from a young age, around the age of 14, Bonhoeffer knew he had a call to ministry and pursued this calling later in his teens. Beginning his doctoral work at the ripe age of 19, Bonhoeffer began to study and deeply meditate on what his dissertation would be for his doctoral work. After much consideration, and then after also ignoring his mother's advice to study church history, Bonhoeffer decided to take a different approach and a different route. Sanctorum communo, communio, a theological study of the sociology of the church was Bonhoeffer's er, dissertation for his doctoral work. With this different approach, one question began to claw away at Bonhoeffer, and I'll explain that question in a second. So real quickly, a theological study of the sociology of the church, rather than go through the church history, he wanted to study what the church is and what actually makes up the church. So going back to that question that Bonhoeffer really started to really deeply think and meditate on was, what is a church? But before he could even answer that question, he knew he had to dig a little bit deeper to get an understanding of the church and what makes up the church. So what makes up the church? It's the people, but more importantly, the people in community living in the one realm of Christ, the one realm of the Christ reality, Christus Wirklichkeit. Christ-centered community. So as, as a pastor and a theologian, Bonhoeffer understood the importance of Scripture being the ultimate authority, guide, and comforter. He drew attention to the importance of relationships those in the community of the church have and the accountability among that community as well. He not only emphasized this, the community that we have within the church, but also expressed that each member of a church plays a critical role in supporting and discipling one another in their daily walks. As a man of deep faith, he poured not only into his work, but to those around him, and we'll see that later in his presentation as well. At the age of 21, he finished his doctoral work and continued to pursue Christ with a heart full of zeal. In the late 1920s, Bonhoeffer briefly visited the United States to continue his study work. He visited New York City, um, but quickly realized he had to return to Germany. And he wanted to return to Germany due to his concern about the political agendas and the ethical issues rising in Germany with the Nazi party and their destructive influence on the church. So essentially the Nazi party was really trying to take Christ out of the church. They were trying to paint the picture of man being strong, independent, or independent without the need for a God, that each man, his own, was strong with no weaknesses, and they hated the fact that we needed to rely on a supernatural God, or just God in general, to live a fulfilled life. They wanted to take Christ completely out of the church, and with the Nazi party slowly gaining um, more and more people, it was much easier for them to influence the church and change their beliefs. So he wrote to a friend while he was in the United States. His friend's name was Reinhold Neighbor. He said to him, I must live through this 
difficult period in our national history with the Christian people of Germany. He also wrote to another friend, Paul Lehman, I must be with my brothers when things have become serious. So Bonhoeffer could not just sit by and let his Christian brothers back in Germany go through these hardships alone. So upon returning back to uh, Germany, Bonhoeffer really only stayed in the United States maybe a year or so. He was not there very long. He knew he could not stay silent forever against the Nazi regime that had begun to take over Germany. And while returning back to Germany shortly after around 1935, Bonhoeffer eventually started his own underground seminary in Finkenwald, Germany, which is now in Poland. Again, Finkenwald was a part of Germany at the time, was a part of a region at the time. But it was an underground seminary, um, kind of kept silent from the outside world, didn't want to keep, he wanted to keep a little bit of attention away from his students that he was discipling to keep them away from the potential violence that could come to them. If the Nazi party saw that coming, they would arrest you and you would most likely die in one of their camps. So this underground seminary that Bonhoeffer held allowed him to expose his knowledge and deep understanding to the students he was discipling. Out of the many disciplines Bonhoeffer would teach his students, reading scripture and, the, and prayer was two of really that had the utmost importance. So during his time at Finkenwald, one of his most important and most significant contributions came to be, and that is how to live in Christus Wirklichkeit. And from this came his book, The Cost of Discipleship. This really gets all the attention from one of his major contributions back in Finkenwald. The cost of discipleship, we learn of the difference between a Christianity that asks nothing of us and one that requires a full 180-degree turn from all that comes naturally. We learn the difference between cheap grace and costly grace. And I'm, to explain this briefly, what Bonhoeffer is comparing, what he means by cheap grace and costly grace is this. Cheap grace is an idea that we can easily obtain forgiveness and salvation without a real transformation of our life. The life of a superficial Christian using grace as an excuse to continue to live as the dead self, full of sin, without genuine change of the heart. Whereas costly grace is a response with a sincere and genuine commitment to our faith and to discipleship, not just one or the other, but to both. Costly grace is more than being willing to follow and learn from Christ, but also willing to face the obstacles that come in the way and the sacrifices that you will have to make for your faith. Costly grace is transformative, is a transformative relationship Christ, with Christ that will bring genuine change and influence every part of our life, or should influence every part of our life. And Bonhoeffer understood this um, to the T. He understood that there would be tons of obstacles, tons of problems facing him, especially in his time in Germany with the rise of the Nazi party. So Bonhoeffer believed that as a Christian, it is our obligation to be in community with other Christians and to not be a silent Christian. Hmm. To not be a Sunday Christian, to sit in the back and not talk with anybody, but to be in community, have fellowship, and to be with our other Christians. Bonhoeffer actively evangelized this to his students in Finkenwald as well, and we can also see, these, see this from his sermons and lectures and some of his letters, um, which I'll explain later on. So this deeply rooted faith that Bonhoeffer had and belief for actively evangelizing his faith made him widely known for his bold, courageous, and vocal opposition to the Nazi regime and his contribution in the resistance movement during World War II. His resistance to the Nazi regime also pushed Bonhoeffer to join a group which plotted to assassinate Hitler. Sadly, though, the plot failed, and Bonhoeffer, along with a few other members in his group, were arrested in 1943. 
But during his time within custody in 1943, his faith did not dwindle or cease to exist. But in fact, I see it as it strengthened. And I'm going to read a section from this book. It's a letter he wrote to his mother on her birthday while he was in prison. And it's actually a poem, too. And the poem is titled, The Powers of Good. Should it be ours to drain the cup of grieving, even to the dregs of pain? At thy command, we will not falter, thankfully receiving all that is given by thy loving hand. But should it be thy will come once more to release us to life's enjoyment and its good sunshine, that which we've learned from sorrow shall increase us and our life be dedicated as thine. So even as he was in prison, he still kept like the most positive and upbeat outlook on life, which, not, which would not be possible without his disciplines or prayer and reading scripture. So these letters that he would write, um, it comes from a collection called Letters and Papers from Prison. So it's a collection of letters he wrote to his family and friends and also his thoughts while he was in prison. So journaling was also a big part of his life as well. The letters shed light on, the, on his strengthening face while being caged in his prison cell. Um, but sadly, after he, he was in prison in 1943, and then shortly after, in 1944, he was cut off from all of his books, papers, pens, his inks, and was executed on April 9, 1945. He was hanged. Dietrich Bonhoeffer is a man of boldness and courageous traits, served as an inspiration to keep in a strong faith during hardships and using prayer and scripture to face these hard times. The disciplines he taught his students and his commitment to prayer and scripture made an impact on me and my understanding of the importance of these topics. And I believe each one of you could take something away from Bonhoeffer and what he taught his, his students and how he lived his life as well. So now referring back to Bonhoeffer's discipline of prayer, he made sure to really encompass this, the discipline of this, of prayer into his, his seminary students at Finkenwald. And this is, this is what like, really grabbed my attention when reading through this section. The length he went to, the length that Bonhoeffer went to implementing this discipline and how he taught the discipline convicted me of my lack of the discipline. But it also gave me another way of approaching prayer, not only in my daily life, but also in discipleship as well. The students were tasked each day that he had underneath him as uh, disciples to pray by themselves for an hour minimum. So at first, this really annoyed the students, but he insisted that a strong prayer life is critical in Christian living. And he would emphasize this using 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. Just praying without ceasing. As the, so he used 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 as the essence of gospel-centered living. We rejoice in Christ, we pray without ceasing in Christ, and we live from a position of gratitude in Christ. I'm going to read something from Bonhoeffer regarding prayer and the lack of prayer that he was seeing not only just in his time, but we, well, it's also relevant today with the lack of prayer. And with lack of prayer, he called this poverty of prayer. So this is written by Bonhoeffer. Praying means to turn one's life to God and to his word as revealed to us through Christ. <clears throat> to surrender and trust our lives completely to God, to throw ourselves into God's arms, to grow together with God, to sense God's life in our own lives. Praying means wanting to approach and to remain close to God because God has come close to us. So prayer was a huge aspect of Bonhoeffer's life and he made sure to implement that same discipline in his students' lives as well as they were studying underneath him. 
So even when Bonhoeffer was a student himself, he was bothered by the fact that in no part of his courses through his doctoral work that he was himself taught how to pray. He would teach his students on how to pray because going back to his doctoral work, he realized that there was he was always told just to pray and to pray for a certain amount of times, but they never had any sort of structure to pray. There was never any sort of teaching on how to approach God in prayer. So he would teach his students how to pray going through the Lord's Prayer and by having a scripture-saturated approach to prayer. And the Psalms were always something Bonhoeffer would find himself returning to in this scripture-saturated approach to prayer. I mean, there's essentially a psalm for every emotion we feel, whether that's anger, sad, happy, you know, any type of emotion we feel, we see it in the psalms. And even better yet, the psalms point to and find their center in Christ. So not only were the psalms written with so much emotion, scripture is God-breathed, our, our emotions are understood, and for each emotion that we feel, we can read a psalm and meditate on it and pray through that psalm, with that psalm, to help not only have that scripture-saturated approach, but to have a way to approach God as well. So in short, the Psalms help us pray better, but from this short synopsis of Bonhoeffer's view of prayer, because I could go on for hours about the depth he would go into with prayer, the steps he would take, so on and so forth, and just the sheer power of prayer. So this leads me to my next point. What exactly could we take away, or what can we take away, or what can I, or what I took away from Bonhoeffer's view of prayer? So we can only grow in our faith if we can continue to pursue Christ and pursuing him in a way that is not solely for our own benefit. Through prayer, we have an intimate connection with our Father, a loving Father who longs to hear from his children. I mean, how comforting is it when someone tells you that they're praying for you or stops what they're doing in their day to stop and come over to you and to pray with you? To me, that, that, that's an amazing feeling, having a discussion with somebody or they just stop what they're doing and pray with me or they shoot me a text, hey, how's it going? Give me a call. Let's pray together real quick. That always means a lot to me. I love that. So praying as a community with one another for another strengthens the bond in the community within the church. In our lives today, we're more busy now as we start to gradually get older and we'll only become more and more busy. In our busy lives today, we may find it difficult to set time aside to meet with someone who we may or may not be discipling. It could just be a friend and praying with them. We can ask ourselves, how many times have I pushed off reaching out to somebody to meet with them, to hear their story, or to pray, when I have a feeling God is pushing me to this individual? So it's, for a few of you, it may be familiar hearing this, because I know to me it is, especially. This was, a, this was very convicting. Bonhoeffer understood that discipleship can be costly, which is essentially why he wrote The Cost of Discipleship. It may cause us our free time, a few hours of sleep, missing getting to go watch a game on TV or hanging out with a, a group of people you'd rather go hang out with, so on and so forth. But it's our obligation as Christians to make sacrifices in our lives, to pray for our brothers and sisters. Bonhoeffer himself said, He who denies his neighbor the service of praying for him denies him the service of a Christian. He does not take lightly the responsibility which comes from Christus Wirklichkeit. Because it is out of response of love, the love given so freely to us, that we as ourselves to see it as an obligation. Not only as an obligation, an obligation that we want to pursue and to be in community and to pray, not only just alone, but with others as well. I'm going to read one more section from this book as well. About prayer. 
Christ's sacrifice grants us entrance into the Father's courts. Christ's sacrifice grants us the good favor of receiving the King's gifts, the gift of participating in His kingdom, the gift of seeing God's will come to pass, the gift of forgiveness of sins, the gift of protection from temptation, the gift of deliverance from evil, and even the gift of daily bread. And Christ's sacrifice guarantees that all God's promises come true. Why would we want to be a people or a church or an age characterized by neglecting such spiritual gifts? Prayer is not something Bonhoeffer took lightly. It's a, it's a discipline he implemented into his life and taught his students how important it can be and how life-changing a strong prayer life can really be. Because it really unites you with other people around you. Cor corporate worship, corporate prayer is extremely important. It brings people together into a community and can open up so many more different paths, not only in conversations, but in discipleship as well. 1 Peter 3.8, Finally, all of you, have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Approaching prayer with a humble mind, approaching a brother or a sister in Christ with a humble mind, wanting to open up to them to be an ear to listen to them, not only just listen, but to hear the words they're saying and to really soak it in and having prayer time with them. So again, we can learn from Bonhoeffer the importance of prayer and how important it is not only in our lives and our alone time with prayer, but in community. It's a, it's a discipline to be practiced alone and with others as well. So make the call to your friends, the call you've been pushing off, go on a prayer walk with your brother or sister, you'd be surprised at what going on a prayer walk could really do. And you may be surprised at how the, the discipleship and the community in the church will blossom by this small yet very significant act. As Bonhoeffer would himself say, and I agree with 100%, there is power in the privilege of prayer. And with that being said, I'll close with Psalm 133.1. Behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity.